0: But today, um, I wanna talk to you about getting to know the Father's heart. And this has been something that's been on my heart and I've been trying to understand more and more in my lifetime. So, that's what I wanna talk to you just briefly. Getting to know the Father's heart. You see now, everything is so impersonal nowadays, right? Everything is so impersonal. We feel more like the object rather than the subject. And even when you call a place, telephones, right? Everything is now automated now, right? You're on the phone, you're listening to bad music, there's no real person on the other line. Everything becomes so impersonal. Even the apps that we order, Uber Eats, Uber Drive, right? You can even bank online, you can just scan your check and then boom, there you go. So everything is so impersonal that the middleman is cut nowadays, right? We become a culture that is so obsessed with knowing. We become a culture that's so obsessed with problems intellectual questions. But the heart of the matter is that we don't really know him personally like we should. That's right. So here's the bottom line that I want us to kind of understand for these few moments, that the essence of your faith, the essence of Christianity is personal knowing. That is the essence. So here's a question I want to kind of like tease out and challenge you here today is, what does it mean to know the Father's heart? What does that truly mean? So if you do have your Bibles, um, some of us have supernatural Bibles here today. That's all good. <laughs> Turn to John chapter 14. Why you not up <laughs> I'm not you out, right? yeah. I'm you out. <laughs> <coming up. No. laughs> i it yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can feel it. I feel the supernatural presence. Um, John chapter 14. So let me just give you a little context about what's going on here. Jesus has just finished washing the disciples' feet. Judas has now left the sea right now and he is about to endure the agony of the cross. Jesus, just a few chapters earlier, in chapter 12, he's even troubled in his own heart. In chapter 13, he's actually troubled in his own spirit. Yet on this night, it is the followers who are troubled in their own heart. They're confused, they're uncertain of what Jesus means when he refers to his uh, uh, imminent departure. So let's look at chapter 14, verse one. It says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Say that with me. Believe in God. God. Alright, we're here. Believe also in me. Now we usually cite this verse during funerals, but now they're first addressed to disciples who are in distress. You know, when we look at that word for heart, it's interesting because in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it's used over a thousand times is making it the most common term referring to the human body. Why would Jesus do that? Why would God the Father relate this message of heart ever so often? So it denotes, when we talk about the heart, it denotes a person's center of both the physical, the emotional, the intellectual, and the moral activity. Sometimes when we talk about heart in the Bible, it's talking figuratively. But here's the key point that I want us to understand. And If you don't remember anything, just remember, remember this. That to personally know is to relationally, relationally grow. To personally know is to relationally grow. You cannot relationally grow if you don't personally know. Okay. So what we're going to learn is three principles from Philip and in John chapter 14. And Philip's very interesting. Um, he's this apostle from Bethesda. He was actually one of the first disciples to follow Jesus. He's actually named first disciple. He's recorded only a few times in John, I think John chapter 1, where he brings uh, Nathaniel. Um, another time where Jesus was trying to teach him during the feeding of the 5,000. And now we see Philip here at the Last Supper. So we're going to learn, really quickly, three principles from Philip in order to know the Father's heart. The first one is this, that knowing the Father's heart is priority. Knowing the Father's heart is priority. Let's look at verse 8. Philip said to Him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Philip had been with Jesus for three-something years, he understood him, he was with him, he saw all the miraculous things that are happening to him, but a lot of us are like Philip. We're so busy with our Christian activities that sometimes we do miss the point. Yeah. We're so full of zeal and knowledge, and yet we still don't know him. But there is a distinction between about knowing and personal knowing. There's a difference between informational knowing and personal knowing. Yeah. Right. Information is basic, right? When you talk to someone, like, it's just basic communication. The first time you meet someone, you talk about their pedigree, how are you? You got beautiful eyes, Aaron, thank you so much. How's the weather? Basic, it's just. It's not even on a personal level. But when you personally know, it goes deeper into the disclosure of the individual. Yeah. And then you respond with some kind of commitment, and then eventually, hopefully, you become friends. It's personal knowing. You cannot have informational knowledge Without personal knowledge, but you can't have personal knowledge without informational knowledge. This past Sunday, uh, this Sunday is actually going to be Father's Day, and uh, a lot of you are going to receive socks and ties. So, (laughs) love on your children for that, Um, or future fathers, you know, you might receive something else. I'm not sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) My my fathers, uh, my 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 relationship with my father was more on an informational level. My father left me and my family when I was about four years old. And it was just my mother that just that just raised me. And he just knew me on just an informational level. He just knew that he was the father. He just knew that my name, he just knew the simple pedigree. And it wasn't until like my mom passed away when I was about 10 years old. And I remember this like it was yesterday that me and my father are walking up to the casket together. And I haven't seen him probably years from then. We actually woke up to the casket and I'm just sobbing, I'm 10 years old, and I'm crying. And I remember my father grabbing me by the arm and looking at me dead in the eye saying, stop crying, be a man. And I could remember that for so long. But you know why I understand now? Because he didn't know me on a personal level. He didn't know what I was going through at that moment. He didn't know me on a personal degree to say, wow, he's emotional, he just lost his mother. He couldn't understand that. And a lot of us, were like Philip, that we just know God on just this informational level. Yeah. But it's in the personal knowing. We need to make him priority over everything in our lives. Yeah. But most 21st century Christians, we're just eavesdropping on our relationship with the Father. Yeah, come on. You cannot know the Bible, without knowing God, but you can't know God without knowing the Bible. Yeah. I like John 17:3, where it says this. He says, Jesus says, and this is eternal life. This is eternal life that they know you. You see, we men, we were built to know Him. That should be our priority. That's right. The satisfaction of knowing God should be greater than the satisfaction of being the wealthiest, of being the mightiest, of being even the most handsomest. God should be priority. And just as Philip didn't understand that, to know the Father's heart, we should put Him as priority first. The second principle that we learned from Philip is that knowing the Father's heart is problematic. Knowing the Father's heart is problematic. I'm going to tell you why. Let's look at verse 10. It says, Do you not believe, there's that word again, believe. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His work. Why is this so problematic? Well, you guys probably have some friends that ask questions. Some questions like, Christianity is so exclusive. It's full of confusion. This, this Christian thing is so ever-demanding. I don't like it. But the real problem is that Christianity is too personal. All of our problems, right, it says in Proverbs, all of our problems, the issues of life, flows from the heart. The New Testament would not be able to speak to you unless you answer this question, what do you make of him? Who is Jesus to you? And for some, Jesus Christ is a problem. He's not God, he's a created being. For Jesus Christ, he is the deity, he's everything. See, Philip's problem was philosophical. He tried to rationalize the Father's existence. But getting to know the Father's heart is not a matter of precepts. Getting to know the Father's heart is not a matter of presuppositions, but it's in the personal knowing. Some of us, we express that we have deep needs to be met first. God, just meet this knee first and then I'll come to you. Fix this problem. Fix this issue. Fix my marriage. I need more money in my bank account. Please do that first. But Christianity is not a therapy session. Christianity is not a philosophy. It's personal knowing. Yeah. Here's something I want you guys to grasp here today. The deeper a personal relationship is, the less that person has a right to act in I'm going to repeat that again. The deeper a personal relationship is, the less that person has a right to act independently. Imagine if I told my wife, all right, boo, I'm going to do my own thing. You do your own thing. Let me tell you something. I'm going to be sleeping on the couch. It has to be a unified front. It has to be togetherness. You can't just go on by yourself. It doesn't work like that. And we are married to him. Let's remember what Jesus said earlier. He said this, he says, I do not speak on my own authority, right? He said, I don't speak on my own authority. See, he was co-equal and co-eternal with the Father. And here, the disciples are afraid to be raised in the Father's absence. It's even become a problem. You're looking at someone that's been raised um, with the Father's absence. I didn't know who God was. I didn't know who my natural father was. Recently, I saw a statistic that said this, that when a child is raised in a home without a father, he or she is more, four times greater risk of poverty. Yeah. When a child is raised in a home without a father, they're more susceptible to behavioral problems, to go to prison, to abuse alcohol and drugs. And I was a statistic of this because I didn't have in my mind, I didn't have the Father's presence within me. I had this problem like Philip had. It was a problem. Another problem we face is control. If you avoid personal knowing to keeping control of, you, of your life, you're going to lose control anyway. And I want to put it like this in simple terms that commitment while remaining controlling is conflicting. When you're committed, and you want to try to remain controlling, it's going to be conflicting. It's going to go on against the grain. John chapter 14, verse 6 says it like this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the help for your life. I am the reason for your life. But it's more than saying that I want to get to know you over coffee. A person has to let you in from the inside. Hearts are open from the inside. Not too long ago, um, my brother who just got baptized yesterday, uh, we went to Starbucks. And we were just talking about, and I just met some brother about three weeks ago, and we just started talking about the love of God so passionately. I mean, we got so loud and so Puerto Rican that it was like everybody around us was like, what are these two people talking about? I mean, the dialogue that we were going through and the emotion that we were just expressing the love of God, and everybody's around us, like looking at us. It got to that, it was so joyous, that conversation, that when we end up leaving, I remember a lady came down the stairs, literally rushing at us. And she stopped and she looked at me and says, here, I want to give you this information. Um, I heard you talking about God. And here are some, uh, if you have any questions, you can just call this number and, and do this and that. Obviously, she was from another world religion. But this was a problem for her. It was a problem in her understanding because she thought that she had all the right answers. She thought that she knew about God, but yet she hears these two young, handsome men talking about (laughs) the love of God. And she couldn't relate to say, I thought I had all the answers. How can they have it? It became a problem to her. It became an issue to her. Sometimes it has to become a problem with us so that we can recognize who we are in Him. It has to go against the grain of our sin. And the last principle is this. Knowing the Father's heart is perceivable. Knowing the Father's heart is a priority. Knowing the Father's heart is problematic. But knowing the Father's heart is perceivable. Knowing is seeing. But here's Philip's motto, is Seeing is believing. I want to see you first, Jesus. And then I'll believe later. Yeah. Let's look at verse 9. It says, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father. It's interesting when you look at the original language of those two words, seen. The first scene is more of an optical scene. It's more like in the natural, I see you, right? But when you look at the second scene, when Jesus says, Whoever has seen me in the physical, but has seen the Father, the second scene is a more discerning. It's clearly trying to understand what that means. So This is what it means, It says, I see you with my eye, but now I see you, I get it now, I understand. But a lot of us, we're still stuck in the natural. We're still stuck in that first scene. We're trying to get to that second scene where I could perceive you, I could understand you. Knowing about the Father is a necessary precondition of trusting in Him. It's a necessary precondition for trusting in Him. That's why it says, lean not to your own understanding, right? In all your ways acknowledge Him. I like what Romans 10.14 says. It says, How could they have faith in one they had never heard of? We walk by what? Faith and not by sight. It is a faith walk. And in that faith walk, we're able to understand the heart of the Father. But it's a matter of personal involvement. It requires the mind, it requires the will. It requires the feeling. That's why I like what the psalmist says. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We don't really know the quality of the Father until we have tasted in the experience of His friendship. Yeah. Second Corinthians 4.6 says this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And in closing, my, my, my question is, do we know the Father? Do we long for Him? Are we making Him priority in our life? Is, is, is understanding the Gospel a problem for us? Um, are we making Him perceivable to us? You know, Here's another survey that that I read recently, and probably some of you know it, but there was a survey they found, because we have, as men, future husbands, we have a a legacy to continue. A survey they found that a child that comes to know Jesus in his household, if the child gets saved, 3.5% is a probability that everyone in the household will be saved. Very low numbers. If the mother becomes a Christian, There's a 17% probability that the whole household shall be saved. But if the father is the first one to become saved, there's a 93% probability that everyone in the household shall be saved. You know what that says to me? That fathers, future fathers, we must plan our inheritance. We gotta break the cycle of negligence, of personal knowing, because our legacy is on the line. Uh, come on, and I've been in that situation where I grew up without a father, and I don't want that to happen again. So, just to give you a little backdrop, nine years ago, I was able to restore the relationship with my dad, and I was actually able to baptize my own father nine years ago. And just yesterday, at a baptism, I was able to baptize my own son. What God is doing is he's redeeming the past. Come on. And he's reconstructing the future. Yeah. And that is a great hope for this future generation. That's it. And that's what we got to trust in him. And I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite... Um, it, it, if you guys uh, don't know me by right now, you're going to hear the word Charles Spurgeon a lot. I, just, I I love him. He's a prince of preachers. He's an old time guy, dead guy, but you know, he's still alive in my heart. Yeah. He said this <laughs> He said, We can't always trace God's hand, but we can always trust God's heart. Okay. To personally know is to relationally grow. Let's grow in getting to know the heart of your Father. Thank you, guys. Love you.